What is that noise? It's my sack of nuts. Sorry, your what? My sack of macadamia nuts. I bought with me as a healthy snack. Where do you get macadamia nuts from? Aren't they expensive and hard to come by? They come from one of my favorite places in the world, South Africa, and they are sold through House of Macadamia. That's incredible. But you go through all of that for nuts? These are not just any nut. House of Macadamia offers a variety of flavors, including chocolate, coconut, and even a spicy flavor. They even have macadamia nut oil, snack bars, and spreads. Best of all, they're high in protein, they're vegan, they're paleo, and they're keto-friendly. Wow, what did you say the name of that company was again? House of Macadamia. And best of all, Curve Mundial listeners can subscribe to my personalized box and try their subscription service and see what I'm raving about. Farmers in South Africa get a piece of the pie, macadamia nuts become more available, and you can taste and try different flavors and items. So just go to anchor.fm slash curva-mundial and click on the link, which will take you right to my personalized box on House of Macadamia. Also, by ordering from Curva Mundial's special curated subscription box, you get 15% off and a free four-pack of snack bars are also included. That's great. Even better, sales from Curva Mundial's curated House of Macadamia subscription service help fund this podcast. So really, everybody wins. So all I have to do is go to anchor.fm slash curva-mundial and click on the link, which will take me right to your personalized box on House of Macadamia? Yep. It's that easy. Also, I didn't mention, but Curva Mundial's subscription box comes with free shipping. Just by going to anchor.fm slash curva-mundial and clicking the link, and I get all of this? Sounds like a one-of-a-kind snack and a one-of-a-kind deal to me. Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and on this episode, I am joined by one of the most talked about bands from England these days, Bar Italia. Please welcome to the show, Chelsea and Galatasaray supporter, Jesmi Femi. Welcome, Jesmi. Hiya. In seven seasons of doing this podcast, you mark the first person ever to want to talk Turkish football. And I'm so happy that you are on and we're willing to do so. So before we get to the Blues and before we get to uh, football in England, let's talk about the biggest Turkish professional club from Istanbul. How did your fandom of Galatasaray come about? They put the coolest kit. (laughs) All of the Istanbul teams. I mean, Besiktas is really cool because when you go to that part of Istanbul, it's all of the, the black and white stripes just everywhere. It's like you don't you don't I've not experienced that in Europe. Like you go to North London, like yeah, you see some Arsenal badges and stuff, but it's just black and white striped flags everywhere in the Besiktas area, which is cool. But Galatasaray, there's a, I think there's a story of how they got their colours. Okay. Um it, so when they started Galatasaray, I might be wrong, but from memory, it's when they started the the chairman of the club was looking for uh, team colours and obviously those days you didn't get like a uh, you know like a Sunday league teams have you ever seen those brochures yes where you have like the Nike kit I actually have sorry I'll just show you quickly sorry for anyone obviously this is a visual cue but I love these um, this is like a stock Nike kit yeah yeah that you buy a Sunday team and then you add the decals yourself and the club badge and stuff but so obviously those things didn't exist in like I think when Sky Test was, started, I think it's like 1902 or something, maybe. But um, I think he went to go find uh, materials in Italy, like, um, and he found <laughs> he found the same because uh, it's the same colors as Roma. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think the story is that he found the same color because you know, like Newcastle is. There's a, there's a link between Juventus and Newcastle. There's one I can't remember which way round it is. But the reason they have their, um, they're both vertical black and white stripes is one copied the other. I can't remember who. But it was like, it wasn't seen as copying back then. It was like an homage. Like oh, you did it to, you, you paid an homage to the coolest team. Wow. So I had on, on the season you're on, I had a Newcastle fan on um, uh, the basis of uh, pigs, 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 pigs. Um, he was, and we were trying to figure that out ourselves. And and it's funny that like you have brought that up, just like 
unbeknown to you that we had a similar <laughs> conversation. But so that is interesting, though, about the colors between Roma and Galatasaray. I I've yeah. always kind of wondered about that. And if this might, is like a true story or an urban legend, it might, it might be. It might be a combination of me misremembering it, a legend, and truth. Um, but yeah, I, I basically started supporting him. I'm half Turkish, and like um, I'm actually Turkish Cypriot, so there's not there's not much like Turkish Cypriot football. Oh wow! And um, I basically was just uh, talking to my dad about Turkish football. I was like, I'm going to support Galatasaray when he mentioned them, you know. Okay. They, they, I've no, I've no, <laughs> I've no familial collection. I just, <laughs> That's I, just fine. I just love the kit. I've been meaning to get my hands on. So I'm just going to look up see if it's disturbed. I'm just going to not bullshit the whole way. Um, <laughs> I think it's the two. I've been trying to get my hands on the 2009-10 Galatasaray kit. It's really expensive everywhere I've seen it, but they just have the best kits. They just have the best kits. They are like super flashy and they are, and they're really just, yeah, you're right. They are, there's a funkiness to them. Like for a team, like most European teams don't have like funky kits. That's why I kind of, I always take to, I'm wearing a, as as we record this interview, I'm wearing a Kaiser Chiefs uh, kit from South Africa. African te- all the African teams have got amazing, funky, awesome kits. The Mexican teams got f- uh, funky, awesome kits. Like those are my two go tos when I think of like outside the box, like non traditional but totally mm. inspiring. So, I used to have a really good. Sorry, just while she said Mexican, I used to have a really good um, um, flamingos. Oh yeah, they're, they're amazing kits. Yeah, Brazilian. Yeah, South. Of course, yeah, South American teams. Yeah, it's um, it's amazing though that how the market for kits. We're gonna deviate a little bit. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about tops for a sec. Um, But we're gonna like. It's amazing how the market for these things has drastically changed around the world. Where it went from, as you just pointed out, traditional stripes, traditional colors. And now these beautiful designs, European clubs may have like the most exciting soccer on planet earth, but when it comes to the fashion of it, it surprises me that it's everywhere else in the world almost that has really still never needed to step it up. They're just there to do it, you know, um, as you mentioned, you had the flamingo kit, you know, was, are you an avid kit collector yourself? I have a, I have, um, I just, I just, I'm not, a, I wouldn't say I'm a collector because I think I've, when I was younger, I was really like, in, it's just, it's become quite an expensive market these days. I remember there was a, I don't think it's there anymore, but in Brick Lane, like in the most trendy, you know, kind of Shoreditch hipstery kind of place, there was like a secondhand kit store that was marking up for like, it was as expensive as like, you know, like a new replica kit is. And it defeats the object for me. Like you find something cool. Like, do you know what I mean? Actually, speaking of sorry, I'm just sitting next to an open suitcase full of football kits, actually. The best, the best kit in international football by a long way. The Croatian kit. Oh, absolutely. And a number 10 Luka Modric as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's actually starting to knock off, but <laughs> it, was, it was a really good year where they decided to deviate from just being checkered and like has like wavy checkered. Yes. Yes, I know exactly which one that is. That's also, all. Speaking of kits and being a Chelsea fan, the like the furore over us not starting preseason <laughs> with a kit sponsor is outrageous. I mean, like I've or I've only seen like across the internet whether um, fans like loving the fact there's no sponsor. So what's funny you say that because Roma again now another t- call back to Roma here. We, I've seen all their new kit designs for the year, and they're so classic, they're so clean, they're so polished. Yeah, they're always great, Roma kits. And they are, but no sponsor. And I'm sort of oh, going, really? please, like as much as like Italian clubs need the money, like this is actually don't <laughs> don't don't tamper with this. Chelsea doesn't need the money; they just need they just need to get, <laughs> get their shit together. But yeah, um, yeah. they don't need the money. But I'm sort of sitting there going. Ooh, this is clean. Just leave it. Just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't actually know whether you could buy the Chelsea kit 
without the sponsor. People people kept saying you could. I haven't seen it. I actually just I went to go pick up a football uh, whilst I'm here from the Nike store. I was, I was looking to see if they had the logo list Chelsea shirt, and they didn't have it. They had all the other Nike kits from um, from England, but they didn't. Have, so I've not actually seen it for sale anywhere. But there are rumours that you could buy it, and then they would. Uh, send, send you the sponsor when they finally got one to iron it on. Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. So do it yourself. Screw up your own $100 kit. You know, it'll be melt some plastic. Right. 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 Uh, the idea that any of these modern kits could withstand an iron is ridiculous in the first place. Well, I, they can't even withstand fingernails. So I have this nasty habit and I've had it since I was, I don't know, five years old where I chew my fingernails and oh, yeah. I always have jagged edged fingernails. Yeah. But these kits are so they're so made so piss poorly that anytime I put it on, it looks like a cat has scratched it because <laughs> the material is so thin. So all of my stuff, or most of it, has got like claw marks in it going, well, can't like sell this on eBay when I outgrow it. So it's uh it's you know, it's they are made like shit and they're way too expensive. Yeah, way too expensive, made like shit. Uh, I think- Sure, I saw it. Sorry, just sure I saw an option to buy a kit that was um from Nike or Adidas or something. Buy a kit that was recycled and it was like a bit cheaper. But it's just like they are doing those. So that's a which I think is great. And if they they just need to be recycled. Right. I'll give you, I'll, I'll collect a year's supply of plastic bottles and I'll ship them to Adidas or Nike. <laughs> like, hey, look, now transform this into what I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. do a trade-off. Yeah, that's it. I want to go back to Turkish Super League for a minute because when people think Turkish Super League, they immediately think Galatasaray. Does mm-hmm. being a fan of that club mean that there's always an expectation to win? And what happens when that team doesn't perform that well? I think, I think like they used to be i don't i don't think there's any more i think the, the state of finances there post uh there was like a big there was a big boom bringing like foreign players in bringing players who had played in europe previously turkish teams also not having been able to keep on to the like I mean, Arda Gula is a good example right it's just gone to real madrid like they're not even able which is previously unheard of because for a domestically Turkish football has a huge amount of Turkish players, which is like obviously not like England necessarily or Spain even these days. But like there, there is there's been such a fluctuation in each team's ability to compete and constant like the constant like kind of thoroughfare of players, players on contract staying well past when they should, who are right. thinking of like one matter, for example. Right. Like he never run in the first place, but he's still kicking it in the Turkish Super League. That's just, it just seems like this, it will be one of the, one of the big Istanbul teams and then someone else pushing. But generally speaking, there's been, I, off the top of my head, I don't know how many teams have won the, won the league in the last like 20 years, but it, it would be far more than anything in Europe. Mm-hmm. As, as big a club as Galatasaray's or even Besiktas for that matter. It's like, you know, Fenerbahce's like been kicking around. You know, it's, it, it doesn't have the same expectation because there's so many factors that are, you know, moving. Right, right. right. That makes total sense. It's it's a wild thing to think about where where the fans already know that the team I'm supporting, this might be the best it gets, whether yeah. it is a mid-table club or a top-tier club. Like, the, for instance, in City A few years ago, Atalanta was making a really big push, and they ended yeah. up in the Champions League for two re- seasons in a row. And it was wonderful. And for a minute, you kind of thought to yourself, like, could they be Italy's Leicester? Could they be the Leicester City of City A? And it didn't happen, but that doesn't mean that it can't still, you know, this time will tell with all of this. But there was that push, whereas a mid-table Turkish side is going to forever sort of be a mid-table Turkish side. For sure, for sure. And just also because of, you know, like it doesn't have the historical kind of relevance that like a Northern English team would if it's not the capital. So like if it's not in Istanbul, and also Istanbul is not the capital, yeah, but most Turkish people think it is the capital. Uh, like 
for all intents and purposes, purposes in footballing terms, it is capital. Like the Ankara team's not <laughs> like there's just no way even a city of the next size could compete really galatasaray is on the east is on the european side of istanbul not the asian side so silly question but do teams from the asian side of the city play in a uefa sponsored match like champions league europa league conference league yeah does the league split itself up as like here is the european side of turkish super league Uh, for all intents and purposes it's turkey is considered europe by okay yeah um you know it's like it's the same process that all the other teams go by. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, I, I can't. I think I can't remember how many Champions League spots Turkish Turkish Super League gets, and what the whether they go into the play, how many go into the playoffs off the top of my head. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's two, and then a third is a playoff. Third, I th- so it might be. It could be three teams if they advance. And it's yeah. usually it's the three teams that we've mentioned already: Galatasaray, Fenerbahce, and Besiktas. Um, the Super League last season competed heavily in terms of money and appeal, and getting the likes of Pirlo to manage in the league and the league final, uh, and was the final league for someone like Merrick Hamsik to play in. But Galatasaray did make some pretty huge moves with Mauro yeah. Icardi, Lucas Torreira, uh, Zaniolo at the peak as as he's peaking in his career, and of course Dries Mertens. Does it feel like there is a sea change in the league or is it still what you had talked about earlier where it's we can get players from Europe and we're going to be able to compete, but it's not going to go beyond that after the year or two? I think it's good. I also I think, yeah, it's not going to go beyond that after a year or two or they might gain some loyalty to, I mean, Istanbul is a great place to live. The rest of Turkey is a great place to live like. People love to stay there later in their careers for obvious reasons. And they, and they know it has that pull in itself. I think it's going to gradually get worse because of Saudi Arabia, because of maybe with Messi going to Miami, like more players will go there later in their careers. Like so I, I think like I'm really happy for Arda Gula, but like I think, I do think it's, it's a shame that he didn't stay a bit longer in such Super League. So they actually had like a homegrown star again for a while. I mean, like, I mean, Turkish diasporically, like, Meza Özil's like return was a fucking abomination. It's you know, like it's it, it's just it just it's always fluctuating, and it's always fluctuating for, from 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 what I can see the last like seven, ten years, like fluctuating at a kind of consistent level. It's not. It's, it doesn't seem like it's going to push above where it previously has. Interesting. Okay. All right. That is interesting. It kind of like confirms what I had been thinking. And as, as an observer of, of the league and of the t- um, style of play is that that kind of is what the conclusion I drew to. So it's interesting seeing someone that like yourself, that's so immersed in it kind of come to the same thing. I'm not, I'm not also, we just had the caveat. I'm not the most avid Turkish super league Watch I do just watch Galatas. Totally. Hey, look, you're watching more than most. Let me tell you something. Um, so let's I can't, I can't spend my whole life watching football. <laughs> That's right. You're you're you are extremely busy these days being on the road, uh touring and making music, and now you're on holiday. So uh Jesme is taking time out from his vacation to chat with us today. So we should all be very thankful. So thank you so much again. Um, I want to switch now to a your other favorite club which is uh the blues and chelsea so how did that fandom come about i just i just remembered something sorry yeah, absolutely. one of the other reasons guys is because drogba went there oh um, of course that's right that was one that was one of the other big reasons obviously i was a massive Dogba fan as a kid so him going there was like you know, coolest kid yeah. <laughs> but anyway um uh so uh yeah, my dad, when he emigrated to the UK, uh, was living in East London. Uh, I believe the story is that a kid from uh, West London came to their school, moved across London to East London, told my dad and his brothers about Chelsea, paid for them. They hadn't, you know, this is them just emigrating, uh, paid for them to go see a Chelsea match, all my dad and his brothers. So for none of my whole family's been Chelsea. 
I've wow. never stepped into West London whatsoever. I've never lived there or anything. <laughs> it's so, quite funny because like, my adolescence was like just at the cusp of them like starting to turn into the modern superpower that they've become. Like right. my first Chelsea shirt is the one that the current kit is actually based on, uh, like a Gianfranco Zola. Um, so you know that have you seen the new Chelsea kit? It's, yeah, it's, it's nice. Kit. So, I, so I still have that. Like, what? yeah, yeah. And then I got an, I got another one that's blank that actually fits me now. So <laughs> that's what I play for in usually. But yeah, so that's why I'm a Chelsea fan, and I've never questioned it. I didn't even grow up in London. <laughs> so never, never questioned it. But my, it really is that territorial that. You know, it's it's a West London club. Therefore, yeah, yeah. West London, you have to be Chelsea. North London, you have to be Arsenal. And if you might, you want to be a Spurs fan. You know, you have a somewhat yeah, yeah. choice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah and then, like, because I grew up in Essex, and mm-hmm. those are people there are on the East London overspill, all right. the hard West Ham fans. And I'm a Chelsea fan for a quite obscure reason. But, like, yeah, but it's a beautiful, gregarious reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they didn't see it that way, but yeah. <laughs> the the uh, we, we West Ham fans have a little more compassion than I think that uh, that lends on. But yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's still a rival. It's still it's a wild yeah. rival. Uh, the Blues last season had the oddest year of any major European club after they were sold to American businessman and sleeping stadium creature Todd Bowley. Having spent nearly a billion dollars and not having a Champions League spot and then looking at the second half of the table, how much pain are you feeling right now? I, I like, I religiously watch every single Chelsea game. Oh so my that, God, they should fucking give you season tickets. Because even um, I like Chelsea yeah, and I couldn't watch. <laughs> I, after January, I was like, this is fucking terrible. Like, and for the first time, genuinely a long time, I was like, I, you know, I wake up <laughs> Saturday morning and be like, should I bother? You know, like... <laughs> It was it was fucking atrocious. It was it was like honestly the straight yeah strangest thing. I've 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 gained a superiority complex from being a Chelsea fan that has now just been knocked back, like in a, in a new way. You know, like that was worst in this worst season in like my age, like <laughs> in my in my lip like beyond living memories. Like since I've been alive, that's the worst Chelsea. <laughs> For Roman Abramovich, we are still like finishing better than that. Right. You know, what's it like, though, to go from a real life James Bond villain in Abramovich to an owner that's sort of like a real life Austin Powers villain in Todd Bowley? Well, do you know, like, like so much of the modern Chelsea identity, from my understanding, is built on the fact that everyone hates you. Like, in a way, I think that's why Chelsea and Tottenham hate each other so much is because everyone hates both of us. And we were just the ones that won and they weren't. Right. Okay. Okay. But now, but now there's a, <laughs> now there's a thing where it's like everyone hates you and they're laughing at you and it's warranted and it's really annoying. Like it's, it it's it's so absurd. I mean, I do genuine. I do genuinely think, aside from like, the most comedically bad signings, like running of a club that that the world's ever seen, I do think next season we will be great. Like, I just have that belief. <laughs> I, I have that belief. I've, I've gotten really excited about, I've, I've, as I said, I watched all the games. I watched the pre-se- like, previously preseason games. I will stay up tonight to watch the game. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm really excited again. I'm actually really excited again. Are you excited? because So this episode is being recorded just before the 2023-2024 season kicks off. Now, are you feeling that this is now a fresh start and are there any signings this summer that have really interest you and piqued your interest yeah nicholas jack so i think like a good example of you could you could like the the transfer policy in january was like the most scattergun ridiculous thing in the world like to, to across the whole season really not just january but january particularly was mental and now the 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 approach could 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 on the face of it seem quite weird now mm-hmm. the, the signings we've made in the summer but when you watch someone like nicholas jackson play it's like it makes total sense like 
is that something is a signing he's not he's not been based on like and like obviously Enzo, Enzo Fernandez incredible player he will be an incredible player like that's undoubted to anyone just the amount of money was the galling thing but Nicholas Jackson is someone who hasn't played that much either like Enzo Fernandez in top flight European football I mean what well, I think he had like 16 starts or something for Sevilla but like but that was but that that seems genuinely like it was based on data and based on his actual attributes as a player because he's come in and he's just like the perfect striker that we've needed mm-hmm. and he will kind of be like he's not going to be a huge signing like um Haaland or someone you know like that that we would have previously been linked with in like him as a Chelsea fan I kind of think he like I kind of people keep saying he's got similarities with Drogba and that he'll come in on quite a small budget as a fairly unknown player, um, or a small um, transfer fee as a fairly unknown player and just become a club legend. Okay, like, he has all of the attributes you could want in a modern striker. He's like he's he's a serious signing and doesn't look necessarily like he is, which is interesting. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Okay, that, I like those under the radar type players as well so i think we have to adjust our like i've been going through a summer of like adjusting my expectations having been previously linked with all of the biggest players you know like and now it's like you okay (laughs) never really worked for us anyways like shining signing shevchenko is a bit of a torres you know like in terms of like signing a star number nine it's never actually worked the last great number nine we had was diego costa and right. he wasn't a serious star signing when we signed him. He was obviously a great player. And then before that was Drogba, like I just said. So I think I think he's gonna, but he's also been like making like a and all of the like the post-match interviews from the preseason for making like pointed remarks about how much him and Mikhailo Mujic are like working on their link up play. And like the, I don't know if you saw the goal that Mujic scored, like his first yes. Chelsea goal was something you have. Is like him and Jackson. It's, it's unbelievable. It's great. Yeah, like it's against like a second-rate Brighton team, but that would they would have probably beaten us. Last <laughs> well, you know, the uh, uh, <laughs> Z- 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 does have everyone's number in that league. I think I think Brighton's <laughs> going to do some serious damage this year. It's it'll be interesting to see how they Brighton how they uh, after losing McAllister and potentially right. losing Caicedo. Like, it'd be interesting to see whether they actually push on. It is, yeah, it, it's going to be a strange season, I think, for everyone except for Manchester City. I don't know. You don't think even those. You but I even think, yeah, you, but you, you about took the words out of my mouth. I'm like, hey, even then, like, they just want to treble. Does even, that. Using Gundawan, like, that's huge. He's kind of the best player in Europe. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and it, yeah, and there's really no talk to re- at the moment to replace him. So it's a bit. So yeah, it could be it could be an all it could actually be Arsenal season this year, maybe, but yeah. they might bottle, you know, you never know. With with someone like Pochettino, their fourth manager in a year, in a calendar year, uh, and he's given the keys to fix Chelsea. Do you think he is the guy? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh well, because we've got like an incredibly young squad, he's proven at like developing young players. And like I think some of the young players. I think they just need something. He seems like he's got this, like, he loves to project this idea that he's like a father figure to younger players and, like, put he's always putting his arm around the players and, like, press conferences and all these things. Like, he would just develop a great young team. I think, I, I think that's one of his strongest attributes is that plays direct, like, attractive football. And now we've got quite a lot of young, direct, attractive footballers. So I think, I think it, it will just work. I think we should have. I was actually, I was actually one of the potentially the few Brighton fans is like, you know, like classically, uh, like hipster into the idea of Graham Potter. Like, <laughs> I was, really, I was really like, I actually didn't like Thomas Tuchel that much. You could see how boring the football we were getting. Like, I, as much as yeah, winning Champions League that was an amazing day, but like an amazing run up to that, the football was getting quite rubbish. Like I was quite happy when he went. Like I know that's not what a lot of Chelsea fans thought at the time, and I was quite happy to get like Potter and kind of build build like a a good team. But obviously that didn't work. <laughs> but <laughs> I, then I, you, I, have... you think Pochettino is the best option out of those three? Like irregardless, I mean Tuchel accidentally won the league, 
like the Bundesliga. <laughs> you know I, mean? like, I don't think he's as good as people say he is. I, what's funny is, is that I was on that ship with you for a long time. And then the Champions League victory happened. And my entire perception of him changed because I sat there going, he just shut down Guardiola's city with all yeah. with, with you know Mason Mount as Chelsea's talisman. Now, but how does it feel though to see Mason Mount now leave and go to United? And there's no sign of like Kellen Hudson Odoi coming back. And Potch, yeah. as you said, is a manager for young talent, and homegrown talent has left. I think firstly on that on that Tuchel thing, yeah. He shut down Man City. I think he's a he's a reactive manager. He's not. He, that's why it was like the football is getting kind of boring against mid level, mid table teams. Interesting. Good. Okay. I think I think I think he's really good at working out other people's other great managers' systems and working out the best way to destroy them. I don't think he's actually a great like front foot manager. Interesting. But in terms of seeing Mason Mount go, yeah, quite quite rubbish. Like I might. Be a minority of Chelsea fans that aren't that angry about it because, like, I I do like if he ever even like wanted or thought about going, he should go. Like, right. there's, there's there's no way you can you can like still like be the darling of Stamford Bridge after you've even flirted with the idea of going to Manchester. Like, like right. the when you look at that and you look at Reese James is like the opposition to that. You know him like tweeting to. To some like Man City fan who suggested that he would come to Man City, that was like as like you know he'd like tweet him back like never leaving Chelsea like he's like that's that's the kind of person you want around. Okay, like, yeah, obviously, yeah, that makes total I mean, sense. I mean, in terms of the academy, like it, it's a strange thing that Chelsea have like produced the most amount of professionals of any British academy in the last ten years. 15 years like undoubtedly they've had loads of like cock-ups and like ruined loads of players careers with their loan system and stuff but they have also produced more top flight professionals than anyone else right. but the strange thing is now seeing chelsea buy loads of really talented 19 year olds and 20 year olds it's like there's still great we still have a great academy we still have great like players coming through um like Mario Hutchinson's gonna be amazing. Like he's gonna be incredible. But it's yeah, it's a really weird thing. It's like it, it seems like now there's a different block to the pathway for academy players, where it's like it's not it's like Brazilian 19-year-olds instead of like seasoned professionals that you've got to try and like you don't you can't get a place in midfield because Mateo Kovacic is there. Now it's like can't get a place in there because Andre Santos is there. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strange thing. But I think there's still that's what it is. Like, and I'm looking at it going, well, look, as an AC Milan fan, I'm reaping the benefits of it because yeah. go to Mori, you know, obviously Chelsea youth product and with us now, and is a monster in defense. Yeah, um, Loftus Cheek is now signed with Milan, as has Polisic, um, which you know, we'll as we'll see what the season holds for the two of them. Uh, I don't mind taking uh, the yeah, Chelsea yeah. fringe. Play. Olivia Giroud has been an absolute stud for us uh, since yeah, he's arrived. So he's it's it, it's great. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. always been exactly. He's always been great, and it's and it's so I like that relationship. But it is interesting seeing how Chelsea's youth system, because it used to be talked about how the United in the nineties it was all about the United the Manchester yeah. United youth system is the academy that is it. But now when you look at it, the the fulcrum has shifted and it's shifted to West London and it's gone to, well, Mason Mount again, Hudson Adoy, we mentioned Tammy Abraham, Vico Tamore. Um, and that list just keeps growing and growing. Yeah, all of the players that were sold as well, like even so, like Tino Lipramento to right. Southampton, he got injured, yeah, like an ACL or something, but he was amazing and he will come back and be like a great professional in the Premier League. Right. For sure, I think I think he's getting a move out of Southampton after being them being relegated or something. But there's like there's countless people who have come. It's actually quite it's kind of similar. There's been quite a lot of um, Man City products who have moved. It's like Romeo Lavia was Man City. There's like there's there's a couple of others as well that are, which you don't you don't often think of Man City as producing great players, right? And and they're all kind of they're just not playing for Man City. <laughs> Right, that's it. They're creating great players for everyone else because yeah. they're buying everyone else's great players. That's but but the thing is, like the the there's there's an inherent problem in the fact that if you 
in the Premier League financially, if you sell an academy product, it counts as pure profit. And none of the none of the money you spend developing a player counts across it. So there is an incentive to just sell Mason Mount for that if financially on the books. Like that's 60 million pure profit. So like that's 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 a really absurd like thing that the Premier League has. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. that is absolutely okay. I would rather him go and have 60 million profit to then spend on Caicedo, for instance. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would. That okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was not aware of that. And that I makes think, absolute pure sense. Yeah. I think there are a couple of players though in the Chelsea team that will step up in his absence. Like mm-hmm. I think Gallagher will actually be a great player for the club. And like he comes from like a diehard Chelsea family, apparently. Right. And stuff. Like he will be, I yeah. I think, I think Callum Hudson was never going to really make it at Chelsea. Unfortunately, it kind of bummed me out because I loved him so much. Yeah, I know, same. I I actually I'm more sad about Loftus Cheek. Oh, interesting. I've I've I always loved him. I saw so I went to a Chelsea Man U game last season. Um, whilst. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I think it was the one-all draw. And like watching Loftus Cheek in in person was like an astounding experience because the way he moves on screen like does look quite strange, like big tall guy, but really skillful. Mm-hmm. But you understand him as a player when you see him in like real life. He makes wow. total sense. It's such a shame that he almost has one of those like one of those physiques that like is built to be injured. You know, there's that thing. Have you ever heard that theory about why Rune, Wayne Rooney's career ended? Because like, he's got like a really strange physique for a footballer or an athlete in general. Well, he always struck me as Wayne Rooney was the type of player. I remember watching him because I used to play rugby in high school. <laughs> That's University. a great segue. And yeah, oh yeah, to, totally. Yeah, me, you know, looking like I'm a fucking rugby player, but I was. And uh, but it's it's wild because Wayne Rooney looked like a prop in the scrum of a rugby team like he looked like a guy that didn't make it as a rugby player but said i will dominate on the football pitch and i was always shocked at how good he was because he shouldn't be and as you mentioned for his physique and like knowing rugby it was sort of going this guy had to have been rejected from like every team i have an ex actually who went to the same school as him Oh wow! In, in Liverpool, who um, are from like a really young age. Oh wow! Yeah, it's like everyone knew he was going to be a professional from like the age of like twelve. He was like that good as a kid. Gee. Well, he yeah. scored his first goal when he was sixteen for Everton. Could you imagine? Like, what were you doing at sixteen? Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough it's 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 strange but yeah it but seeing bodies built for injury because uh, you, you have zaniolo at galatasaray yeah. and two he has two brand new knees before he's 25 <laughs> oh it's insane isn't it it's, well, it's I, I often wonder like what constant do you ever like injure yourself like well i so i play i do play football quite a lot still okay. um like pretty religiously whenever I can. I, pl- I played as a centre mid and I think of myself as a bit of like a lung buster. Box to box eight kind of player. And I've injured myself quite a lot when I play. I always wonder like, how long would I be out in a professional game? <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? When you like pull a muscle, like, how long would I actually be out in a professional game if I did this? Well, and then, and then, you, and then you scale that up to like tearing an ACL. Like the idea of coming right from tearing an ACL. I actually, I actually broke Speaking of Wayne, really, I actually broke the same bone he did in the Euros. Oh, fourth night at Arsenal, I got my toe kicked into my foot. Yeah, yeah. So when he broke it, I broke the same same bone when I was really young. And um, yeah, everyone was talking about fourth metatarsals then. It was great. It, it was a trendy injury. It was the injury to have. It was the Ozempic of his day. Um, that's. So funny enough is that about three years ago, and this is going to sound ridiculous and you all can laugh at me. um, I had an ingrown toenail that I had to get like surgically removed. I couldn't walk for a week and I sat there going, 
Imagine breaking your toes as a footballer and then having to go back as soon as the inj- as soon as it's healed, you yeah. have to go back and like take it off as if like nothing ever happened. Yeah. I'm sitting on the couch for a week with my foot in the air going, I don't want to walk ever again. Like this is ridiculous. This is the stu- yeah. and this was the stupidest surgery ever. Like dumb. Like they had to just, you know, and I'm sitting there going, I didn't break anything. It's just a toenail that grew in a wrong place. And I'm in so much agony and pain. And yet I don't actually have to do anything versus someone else having to go and just, you know. You know what? I'd love to, and it seems seems perverse, but I'd love to see what footballers' feet look like. Oh, God. Probably a ballerina feet. It must be exactly like a ballerina's foot, right? They must be completely pulverized, the wrong shape. Like the boots they have to squeeze into... The constant repeat, like repeated, like destruction of them, yeah. like a hard ball. Like I would love to see what they look like. I wonder what. I wonder if that's the reason why we've seen every part of Cristiano Ronaldo's body, but his feet. You don't know what his toes look like, and I wonder if that's the reason. They're probably mangled. They're all janky. And that's it. They're only for Georgina, and no one else will see them for her eyes only. Do you um do you do you follow an MLS team? I quasi. So I'm in New York. I used to have season tickets for the Red Bulls when Danny Henry played, and then Andre Pirlo, who was my favorite player of all time, played for the New York uh, City Football Club, uh, owned by the Manchester City Group. So I was following them for a while. I so I, I watch both, but I now Messi has my attention. And now I'm all I'm all in on Miami, baby. I'm all in for you know. Talking of good kits, oh, it's it's the it's the Pal- best Palermo kits that Palermo never had. Let's put it that way. <laughs> or the Bob uh, the Barbenheimer, uh, you know, the the black and the pink. But it's oh, it's I I never liked Barcelona. I I've always hated that team, but now I'm like, oh, I can cheer for all these guys that I was always like shaking a fist at because now I, they, you know, it's a neutral club at this point. Yeah, the gang is back together in like a very unharming way. <laughs> it's it's not going to dominate European football anymore. It's okay, but we can still watch them all play together. That's it. You know, it's going to dominate MLS. <laughs> they're going to go from the worst team in the league to the best in yeah. in less than a year. For you, so now you brought up you brought up MLS. I didn't. So you yeah. brought it up. Now, do you watch MLS? Do you like follow? I don't, but we um, were in LA for a couple of weeks, um, and there was a really nice AstroTurf pitch. Nice. So we were playing there all the time and like talking to a lot of the kids there, and a lot of kids from like Hispanic backgrounds, Mexican backgrounds, whatever. Like none of them supported an MLS team, like not one. They only wanted. I wanted to talk to them about MLS teams and players and like find out from them. Expecting none of them gave. A flying shit about MLS. It was so funny. <laughs> I mean, like, and it's supposed to, LA Galaxy is supposed to be one of the biggest franchises in MLS, right? Like yeah, they have one of the biggest teams there. So it's not like, it's not like they, they couldn't or something. They're not like, you know, Milwaukee or something. Yeah, it's, you're not wrong. So the Galaxy are essentially the uh, Manchester United in yeah, terms yeah. of, you know, and they they had Beckham and they had Robbie Keane uh, for many years. They uh, Ibrahimovic had played there, Nigel Dijon for like a hot second, and then they were very happy to see him leave. Um, and <laughs> and made sure about that on Twitter. Uh, but that was the place where stars were going for a while, and they were an exciting team. Then Will Ferrell put together a group, and LAFC has been born. And LAFC won the title last year with Gareth Bale and Giorgio Chiellini and a bunch of hot, young MLS stars. LA Galaxy, so the Galaxy now is competition for the first time in a while. When MLS formed, they had a, so Mexico has a team, the Mexican Lee MX has a club called Chivas. They had a Chivas LA side as well, like a sister club. Oh, no way. And that was to basically... And that was to basically do exactly what you were trying to get out of those kids was go to the uh, Latinx communities, the Mexican communities and say like, hey, look, 
you know, we've got this club. You should support yeah. this club. <laughs> and it didn't work. And that <laughs> club folded. And that's and now they're trying to do the same with LAFC and say, hey, look, let's try and get the Chivas fans and let's try and reach out to the younger kids. But again, at the end of the day, I think the entire country, whether you're Latin or not, everyone's all eyes are going to be on Miami for a very long time. Crazy. I mean, I've, I've, even I've watched every single angle possibly filmed of Messi's first goal. <laughs> I've, I've seen, do you know what the last MLS goal I remember watching was the one where Wayne, Wayne Rooney like slide tackles that guy when he's on the counter and then pings that like ridiculous diagonal to the, for the guy to like the win in the last minute or whatever it was. That was the last, that was the last MLS goal I remember watching. I think that was 2017, 20. It's yeah. It's so that was a long time ago. It's so for you. It's suddenly going to be following Miami. So yeah, it's perfect, perfect example. For, For you though, like, is it, is it interesting to see soccer culture or football and culture in America when you come and tour? Yeah, no, I was I was fascinated by it. I was gen- genuinely surprised by the amount of um even driving in from I think I think it was JFK in New York, like seeing the amount of football pitches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it was incredible. Like that I thought that was amazing. I I had no idea. Because like the the fur- the fervor I think you would never pick up on it whilst you're in Europe because it seems like Americans like love it. They've because- gotten it, it, it. I've seen. So it's funny is that my whole life I've waited for this moment. I'm 39 <laughs> years old. I've waited for this moment my whole life. I'm sort of like regretting what I asked for because now you've got like a lot of bandwagon folks. Yeah. And especially with Pulisic playing for Milan, suddenly everyone's an AC Milan fan all of a sudden. I'm like, well, where are you during the Carlos Baca years, you fucks? Um, I'm not trying to gatekeep. I'm just a very, you know, disgruntled, bitter fan. But I'm an old man. What do you want from me? Uh, but it's it's interesting to see what people have, like, taken to. And I, I have to say, and I think it belongs to three things. It's, it's like the Holy Trinity. Ted Lasso. Welcome to Wrexham and Messi coming to MLS. I think if Messi Messi winning a World Cup brought everybody interest, you know, it was around Christmas time, so if it's cold, everyone's indoors anyway, and like, oh, this thing is on, and ends up being probably the greatest game I've ever watched in my life was that World Cup fight. Yeah, it's incredible, like amazing, absolutely incredible. And now that you have him coming seven months after him winning a World Cup to America, plus these two shows that. People have like Wrexham is touring America. This I, I remember seeing when we were in LA, like billboards for the Wrexham like TV show, or whatever. And it's like, like that, that is the strangest fucking thing in the world. Like, <laughs> like get off the plane, like finally get to LA, and you see Wrexham. <laughs> like, that's like the most confusing thing in the world. Like seeing murals, we saw a mural. Of um, um, I can't remember the other the the two actors' names. Um, oh who, yeah, Rob El and I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna confuse it with for some reason El Nenny. <laughs> Rob McAnally and uh, and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, like, we saw a mural of them wearing the Wrexham kit, like painted on the side of a building. Well, they own the club. Yeah, yeah, no, but like a mural. Oh a yeah, mural. yeah, yeah. Like, Jamie Carragher gets a painted mural. Gary Neville gets a painted mural. Like, do you know? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see where you're going with this. Right, right. It's it was, yeah, really strange. So, is, is the World Cup there soon? Yeah, 2026. We will oh. have the World Cup. That's, um, that's going to be the perfect storm, then, isn't it? Oh, 100 percent. And I'm fairly convinced because I'm look. I'm not gonna be any sort of like alex jones conspiracy theorist here okay i don't have a tinfoil hat on but i'm fairly convinced that this was all like part of the plan getting messy here a couple years right before world cup and then him signing off probably in, in glorious fashion for argentina in four years time um it's 
it's going to be wild. It's going to be a party. Come on over. We'll have fun. I do. I do think there is some. This is my own my own personal conspiracy about like MLS rising again. Is that it will be in opposite like it doesn't have the money that Saudi Arabia has, but it will have like a moral opposition, and it will it will it will it will face itself off against the, like the rise of Saudi Arabian football. Yeah, in the, so, in a way that it originally did with China. That's, I, that's my that's my personal conspiracy. So I think so. I I don't think you're incorrect on that, and I think that's exactly how they're going to market that. But then, exactly. but here's the issue I have with that is is that Messi's currently playing in a state where they are trying to erase Black history, ban LGBTQ rights. That is the funniest and, thing, isn't it? And it's burn just... books. So it's just so really he's playing in the moral the moral objection for playing in Saudi Arabia. Well, he's in Florida now, so it's and that's what the governor of Florida is currently doing. I mean, it's like the Western biases. Whilst you're in that place, it's quite hard to see, you know, the evil of it. I'm sure there's not really many Saudi football fans thinking, <laughs> you know, oh shit, you should be thinking morally about this, shouldn't they? Right, right, right. So, like, but they're probably thinking he probably <laughs> Messi going to America is an awful. Isn't he? Isn't he also the ambassador? Isn't he ambassador for Saudi Arabia? He's, he's yes. Boxes. Oh, he. He did one of the greatest. He did if he was if it wasn't him, I I'm fairly convinced he would be shot somewhere. Like he because he did some pretty gangster shit. Like I'm gonna be the ambassador of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia then thought that for a minute, like yes, this is how he comes to the league. David Beckham is also an ambassador for Saudi Arabia as well. Also owns. So it's just like oh, this makes perfect sense where we're gonna get these two guys to boost our tourism he'll be an ambassador here Messi will come play and that'll be that well he turns around and says nah i'm gonna turn down your billion dollar offer <laughs> and i'm going to miami i love the also the the premise i remember reading obviously like that you know mls has basically bent the whole rules so he could play there and they all like own a franchise afterwards or whatever but I love the the initial reaction that was like, oh, because he already owns a house in Miami. <laughs> right. He's got real estate, so it doesn't matter. He also did that whilst playing for a Qatari state-owned football team. All of that. Even the idea that he's an ambassador of Saudi Arabia whilst playing for a Saudi right, I forgot about that. That's enough to get you killed. <laughs> it is. He, he's got... He's either so shrewd of a businessman, but puts it on so innocently because of the smile and the victories, or just has not a fucking clue what he just did and is sort of lucked out, and that's it. Like either one or the other. Well, there was that big um. He was um. He was like in court for tax evasion in Spain, wasn't he? Yeah, but it, that is something that. So, like, I've looked into that and I've read a lot about it. It seems I, to be, I haven't, by the way. So. Yeah, so it's like, but that seems to be a thing that happened to a lot of major footballers, like Ronaldo as well. So the tax evasion thing, it's, I'm not a tax attorney to explain it, and I can't put it in layman's terms, but it's not exactly as if, like, he's fled the country. Like, in America, like, tax evasion is sort of, and same in Britain, where it's, you didn't pay, and then I'm out, and you're going to, like, some other country and you're trying to be like well not coming back to america for a while um this was sort of he pled guilty paid a shitload of money and then was like okay cool hang out have fun you're, you're good <laughs> it's it's a weird thing though because it's how it's how their tax system is structured and it happened like it happened to ronaldo it happened to sergio ramos it happened to a lot of like top players i'm even pretty sure it even happened to figo at one point um, but it, and it, it's, it's like, if you make a certain threshold of money, they're basically taxing the rich. That's it. They're taxing the rich. And then they're just sort of like, all right, this is how we're going to actually get it by bringing it to court. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, oh, that, that makes me feel better about it then. Yeah. It's not like, it wasn't like he was funneling money in a shell corporation in the Cayman islands and not report. It was, it wasn't that it wasn't any shady, business dealing it happens again to so many top footballers i think that's and i and i and and from my understanding of it that's like how it kind of goes over there so now time for a coffee break 
Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. Mod Cup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. Jasmine, this has been a total blast. And as as you know, this podcast, we've got we got three more questions to ask you. And these uh these are gonna pertain to your favorite clubs. Uh just let me know. Just let me know which club you want to reference you. Or you can reference just, both. Okay, I'll probably reference Chelsea just so I don't get something terribly wrong and piss off some ultras in Turkey. <laughs> That's it. Now you can never ever tour in Turkey again. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could bring back one retired player to your club, former Chelsea player alive or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, Hernan Crespo. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Just because I think we need like a comedy villain again. Because he got like, he got caught doing some pretty dodgy stuff, didn't he? Yes. He, We've yeah. got quite a few comedy villains. we got quite a few comedy villains. Just like, uh, just if we make, if we're, if we're going on a downward spiral, then at least it needs to be funny. I think just for that reason. All right. I like that. I like the fact that like we're gonna bring a player in just to you know make the destruction. Of the <laughs> um, now, money's not an option. If you could sign one active player today, who would it be and why? Ah, uh, Bellingham. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just like the midfielder in me, just like, just like get so excited watching him play. So I want. We need. To... We, need we need a great midfielder, and he's a truly great midfielder. So, so, like, you, you don't think it's hype with him? You think it's no, like he is? No, he's, he's the he's the real deal. Okay, like, for sure. Like, he's he's so like um. My worry with him, like, as a player, just like not that I particularly care about like the like the England national team or whatever. But my worry about him as a player is that like it would have been so good if he just had like the nurture of like a proper proper. Not say Carlo Ancelotti. Like he gets a lot of hate, but like someone like Pep or Klopp or Pochettino for that matter, or Arteta, like like a great manager, just like hone his decision making because he's so rash at times. Right. But it, I, I do think he's the real deal. Like, okay. to, like it's it's a really hard thing to like play at the top level in midfield and make so many mistakes and still be considered really good. Do you know That's, what I mean? Like, yeah. If you just, just like because they've just playing that part of the position, like you make one mistake and like it looks awful. But he seems to just go into things like quite chaotically. But if he just irons that out, like he will be like one of the best midfielders ever. Going True. to because yeah. it's it's weird seeing a an English player not playing Premier League and then yeah. have all that hype in Germany, but now going to Real Madrid. Yeah, and he looks as if he's been there for a little while now. Yeah, he's he's a, he's a, he's a star. Yeah. Like he's yeah. he's a true star. Like he he's he's like um, it's like him. I also <laughs> I'm gonna bang on about Argula for like forever. Like, but like they're true Galacticos. Yeah, yeah, like, they're true true Galactic. When, like yeah, Camavinga, too many like get incredible players. They're not like they they've got a star factor like undoubtedly, but like. Bellingham, like he's a true Galactico. Gula's a true Galactico. I think that. I, I think Camavinga is one of the best players in the world, by the way. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I like this. I like this. Okay. And finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan of this game? Do you know what? I'm gonna hit that that the Moroccan run. Yeah. In the World Cup, like I, I genuinely thought we we saw actually the really lucky we saw the um the Morocco France game in Marseille, which obviously is a huge North African population. Yeah. Um, and like, it was it was so beautiful. Like there was just fireworks going off, even when they lost, there's like fireworks going off. And then you saw all of these, like they were worried about it being obviously like now, you know, the ten- tensions are high and stuff, but like then it was like, people were worried about it kicking off and stuff, but it was actually just like really beautiful. Like all you could just like, Moroccan people were just having conversations, they are support France now, I guess. You know, like it was, there was just something like so, so like earnestly nice about it. Yes. Like it was so living in New York City and that run, I, it was, and especially in a neighborhood where I have a 
where I am surrounded by so many different cultures. Yeah, yeah. Everybody just stopped and was just like, yes. Yeah. Everybody was Moroccan for like those yeah. last like week and a half. The incredible. Like also like doing it, doing that whilst like quite clearly playing above your level. Like it was so visibly them playing above their level. That's like that's incredible. Like you also I don't know, European European teams are quite desensitized this idea of like nationality in a lot of ways and stuff. Like they were playing for a shirt, like so like they were like proper like you can only really play as a nation like when you're kind of kicking against something and like being like the underdog and standing up for yourself and like I it's like so cool. I thought it's earnestly so cool. I yeah, I agree. It was it was essentially what football is all about. Jesme, thank you so much for doing this. Everyone go check out his band Bar Italia. They'll be on the road in 2024. And um just thank you again. This was this thank has been so fantastic. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. Yeah. Thank you. Enjoy Queens. Thank you. Thank you. Come back anytime. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Curva Mundial listeners can get 20% off their next order at Football Devotion. For football designs with a difference, head over to footballdevotion.com and use code CURVA for 20% off your order. That's code CURVA.